You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. The power of God is what makes us Christians. Without the power of God, we cannot be Christians. The Bible says, he came to his own, his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, what happened? To them, he gave the power to become children or sons of God. So every Christian is an empowered person. Now, the issue is this. If you're that empowered, why are we making excuses? Why are we afraid? Why are we, you know, crouching and, you know, just not rising up? God is our father. Let me say God is my father. His power is at work in my life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what it is. Every Christian is empowered. That's what is at the back of everything. There is no situation you can't withstand as a Christian. And there is no mountain you can't go over as a Christian. That is it. If you don't believe that, you need to get born again again. Praise the Lord. You know, we, I think it was a few weeks ago that we were learning here that what makes the commandments of God bearable and doable is the power of God. If not, how can you obey God? But His power is available. Praise the Lord. His power makes us able to obey Him. His love inspires us. I says it is God who works in us. Both to will and then what? To do. So there is potential and kinetic energy. When you will, it's potential. When it gets to the time of doing, it's kinetic. Hallelujah, somebody. An accomplished man, we saw in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So your success as a man, and more, you know, more particularly as a Christian, It's to the measure that people see you and acknowledge that you're representing God. It's not how much money you have. There are thieves that have money. There are criminals that have money. There are are all kinds of people that have every other thing that you can pursue. And the manufacturer, our designer said, I'm making Nikenna so that when people see him, they will remember me. So it's not how big my house is or how big my car is or how many degrees I carry that makes me a success. You go to my manufacturer and ask what was the goal that you are pursuing when you made him. He says to make men see him and remember me. So your family says, ah, this is a godly man. Your children say this is a godly man. Your husband says this is a godly woman. Your colleagues say this is a god. They may not even have to say it to your face, but they say that is success. Praise the Lord. So when we say breakthrough, that is where we want to break through in. Breakthrough into God-likeness. Amen? Okay, so let's try and you know, pick a few things um, and then we, we trust God to help us in Jesus' name. Okay, so we try to establish on Sunday that um, the revelation of Jesus Christ was necessary. We established that Galatians 1.16, that it's as Christ is revealed in us that we are able to also you know, minister him to the other people. And we saw that Revelation 1 from chapter 1, the entire chapter 1 was the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we were learning that that is so important because that is what brings the change. Like our sister reminded us, 
we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being what? Transformed. So that is what this whole thing is about. Every time you read the Bible, you should be looking, what is there about God I need to learn? What is there about God I need to learn? Who is this my God? What is this my God about? What can he do? You're reading it. As you're doing it, automatically you're changing. Praise the Lord. You're changing. You're becoming more like him. And as you become more like him, authority and power goes with you. Remember what happened with the, the seven sons of Sceva when they went to cast out devils. Okay? Did they say the wrong words? They said the right words. The person they spoke to, did the person not have the demons? The person had demons. So everything in the situation was right. So we adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Come out. It's a correct instruction. The only thing is that the demons looked at them. They didn't look anything like Jesus. Demons looked very well. They didn't look like Paul. <laughs> so demons knew that this, these are imposters. And say, let's teach you what they do to imposters. You know the story. The demons came out and beat them very well. Why? Because they themselves were not looking. So automatically, the more you look like Jesus, the more authority you carry. Did you know that every Christian, he says, I give you authority to cast out devils. You shall step on serpents and scorpions. That is the authority we carry when we appear in his image. Praise the Lord. So somebody is going to look more like him today in the name of Jesus. Okay, so we looked at Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at it. We can start from 7 and we'll pick, take it from there. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained, or I'm already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. We said on Sunday, I ask again, what was Paul's goal? To gain Christ, to know Christ, to be conformed to his image. He wants to you know, know him, the power of his resurrection, all of that. Now, I want to ask you, why was this Paul's goal? Was that the only thing he could have as a goal? What were the other things he could have as a goal? Was he constrained to have only this as his goal? So what were the other things he could have as a goal? Some money, right? Forbes list, okay? Or maybe not even in that dimension, the most, you know... Eminent apostle. You know, Paul himself was saying that he was the least of the saints. He could have also had a go that Peter and the rest of the apostles would come and say to him, in fact, we have searched all over. You are too much. You are the most eminent. You are the best amongst us. But let's leave that. But why was this Paul's goal? Why would he count all things as dung that he might know him? Why would he you know, remove all the privileges you know, that were his and say, all I want is to know him? 
Okay, quickly. Simply because that was what God said, this should be your goal. Let's look at the scripture. Um, Verse 12. Verse 12 says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, okay? But I press on that what may happen. That I may lay hold of that, what? For which Christ Jesus has also what? So my master says, this is my goal. They employ me in an office. They say, all we want you to do is make sure that this door is closed. You're the doorman. Once people pass, shut the door. When someone comes, open the door. When they pass, shut the door. If I remain in that organization and say, I don't like opening and closing doors, what would be my fate in that organization? Can I rise? Will I get a promotion? Why? Because my goal is not aligned with the goal of my employer, of my master. God said to Paul, this is what I want you to do. His commission started to reveal his son in him. So he made it his goal to know this is son. Can you please give us easy to read version of verse 12? So we understand it. Okay, let's read together everybody. I don't mean that I'm exactly what God wants me to be. I've not yet reached that goal. But I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. Full stop. That's what Christ wants me to do. That's what Christ wants me to do. He says it's the reason he made me his. Is it clear enough? That's why he was Paul's goal. That's why I say he's not being too spiritual. He's being reasonable. You know, because these things, we read it, and the enemy tells us that is Paul, that is Paul. It ought to be you. It's the least. Praise the Lord. Can we see how clear it is? He said, that's what Christ wants me to do. He saved me to do that. Can we look at NLT quickly? NLT, Living Bible and Amplify. Let's read all of them quickly. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first what? Possessed me. Shouldn't it be taken for granted that everybody who becomes a Christian has as his pursuit what? To know him. But is that what we have? That's not what we have. Because that's why, you know, we started this study from learning. That's why we started this by saying, many people will say to him on that day, Lord, Lord. And he said, I don't know you. Because he possessed you for something. And then right there from his pocket, you're possessing other things. You're not possessing what he possessed you for. You're not running after what he held you on to. Okay, let's go to the next one. The Living Bible. Let's read it. What does it say? I don't mean to say that I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet, okay? But I keep walking toward that day when I'll finally be all that Christ saved me for. Saved me for and wants me to be. Amplified. Let's read. Not that I've now attained this ideal. I've already been made perfect. But I press on to lay hold of, grasp, and make my own. That for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has what? laid hold of me and made me his own. So God laid hold of him that he might know his son. So Paul, being reasonable, made knowing his son his word, his goal. May that become my goal. May that become our goal in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the first part of it. The second part, we're looking at why did Paul make this goal? Because that was God's goal for Paul. The second reason, verse 14. 14 says, I press toward the goal. Okay, so Paul is saying, I press toward what? This goal. What is this goal? The goal that God gave me to run for. Isn't it? I want to score this penalty, right? I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Now, the second reason, are you with me this evening? The second reason Paul made what we've been reading his goal is that there is a price for attaining the goal. Hello? I press toward the goal for the price. So, praise the Lord. Do we get what is happening here? Paul says, now Christ laid hold of me just for this purpose. So that's why I'm pursuing it. But secondly, I'm pursuing it because there's a reward for attaining that goal. So let's look at the other versions we looked at before. Let's start ERV. It says, I strain to reach the end of the race. And what? Receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven. So Paul was not anti-reward. Paul was not anti-prosperity. Paul was not anti-enjoyment. Paul was not anti the good things. He was going for the very good thing. He was going for gold. I strain to read the end of the race and receive the prize. So Paul was the one who said he does not want after he has preached to others. He himself what? Will be a castaway. This is what is there is a price. So whatever we're doing, there's a prize. Price. There is the one that we can take. Imagine in a boxing bout now. Okay, so I and Livingstone, we're in a bout, we're boxing. And they said the cop that are going to give the winner. Okay, here. And then I box Livingstone and I run quickly and snatch the cop. And say I'm the winner, I'm the winner. I have the cop. What is going to happen to me? It will become a, a police matter, isn't it? That's what many Christians do. You get the goal, he gives you the prize. I strain to reach the end of the race and what? Receive the prize. So I push for the goal so that he can give me the prize. Let's look at another of the translation. I keep running hard toward the finish line so that I'll do what? So to get the prize that is mine. What I want us to see here is this. This is the genuine Christian, the young lady, the young man who is keeping herself pure or himself pure is not stupid. He's looking for something. There is a prize. You see, because over time we tend to make it appear as if the genuine Christians don't have sense. No, we have plenty sense. In fact, our problem is too much sense. Because Moses speaking on our behalf says, he says he considered it, you know, he, he preferred instead of enjoying the passing pleasures of Egypt. You know, he knew that Egypt had something, but this thing Egypt had won't last. So he said he wanted to go and join those who were looking for a city whose builder maker is God. A city with foundations. Do you read the Bible and pause and consider? Do you know why the Bible says these men were looking for a city with foundations? You know why? Do you know that this earth we are on now is under somebody's house? You think you have foundation. How is the earth? The earth is a sphere, isn't it? And it's rotating. The only thing that is keeping us is uh, gravity. So nothing has foundation on earth. Hallelujah, somebody. I get what I'm saying. The skyscraper that is so long, when the earth turns, is upside down. What is holding it is magnet. It's gravity. So the men of old say, we are looking for a city. A city that has foundation. This one is floating. Praise the Lord, somebody. So there's a prize. So for those two reasons, Paul was pushing because that's what he wants and there's a prize. Now, just to help us, you know, establish this more. In a tournament or competition, okay, the organizers have a trophy, okay? A trophy, a belt or something that they give to the winner, isn't it? Now, the wearing of that belt or the carrying of that trophy is the most glorious moment of the tournament. That's when, you know, all the jubilations, the flowers and, you know, the petals are released, okay? Now, God has said something. Jeremiah chapter 9, let's go to it. 
Because this is too important. Okay, first of all, 23. In every tournament, if it's uh, chess, some of us here play chess, you know, and maybe spelling bee, uh, university, you get the first class best graduating student. What are you rewarded for is wisdom, right? Excellent in wisdom or knowledge, okay? If it's in boxing, in kickboxing, in any other thing, what are you rewarded for? Might, okay? If it's the one that they begin to give you an honorary degree, even though you didn't go to school, what are they rewarding you for? For being rich. Okay, so the things that the world rewards across board is what? Wisdom, might, and riches. And this is what God said. He said, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his, nor the rich man glory. These are the things the world glories in. In fact, for the young men here that are not married, I pray you prosper because, you see, if you like, have six-pack. The sisters don't see six-pack. What they see is, I saw somewhere where a man went to the gym and asked the gym instructor and said to the gym instructor, what machine here will I use that will, you know, make the ladies notice me? And he showed him the ATM. <laughs> he showed him the ATM. Say, when you use that very well, they'll notice you. It's not six-pack, they notice. <laughs> okay. So these are the three areas of glory that men glory in, that men boast about. And they said to us, we shouldn't boast in any of them. So, is God saying we shouldn't boast? No. He said we shouldn't boast in wisdom, in might, nor in riches. Look at 24. What does it say? It said, but let him that boasts, let him that glories, glory in this world, that he understands and knows me. Child of God, can we see by all means that this is our goal? If Christianity were a soccer game, this is when you score. This is it. This is our goal. To understand and to know him. That I'm the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. Then he doesn't stop there. He says what? For in these I delight, saith the Lord. Praise the Lord. Somebody should leave church here happy. You know why? You're loaded. What are you loaded? You're loaded with an understanding of the Lord. You're loaded with the knowledge of the Lord. You know, I feel so pained. You know, when I see supposedly Christian leaders shifting the goalpost among Christians, and you're speaking to Christians and you're making them appear as if they're insufficient because they don't have money, they don't have husband, they don't have children. You're making that as the sum total of what their Christianity should produce. It's a lie. And when I was reading this passage, this uh, Philippians 3 that we're reading, I, I saw how this thing is because, you know, sometimes you might come here and say, Pastor, leave all these fake people. Let's concentrate. Nobody can concentrate. If you love truth, you hate falsehood. This is Paul speaking. Let me tell you what Paul said. Paul said, finally, my brethren, verse 1 of Philippians 2, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you to say. He said, beware of dogs. You know who is calling dogs? He wasn't calling a session dog. It was fellow Jews he was calling dogs. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. It was the Jews that were confusing the people, teaching them the wrong things. Just like when I hear destiny helper. What do you mean by destiny helper? The helper we have, Jesus going says, I will ask the Father to give you who? Another help. The Holy Spirit. Then when Christians gather now, they are praying. As they are praying, they are looking. Who is my destiny helper? Who is my, de- who is my destiny Who is my destiny helper? Then you teach them that. So when they go out, instead of glorying in the Lord, they are looking for a man to leave them. 
Show me one instance in the Bible where there was a destiny helper for anybody. They mentioned Joseph. Who was Joseph's destiny helper? You see, the problem is that we're a generation that don't read the Bible. So any magician, any stupid person can confuse people. And then because social media, once you just put something there and it, it runs around, everybody starts talking about it. What, what do you mean by that? You know? The next thing they say, honor, honor, honor. That's how honor, honor. A boss will sleep with a young girl and she says she's honoring her boss. Because they've magnified things beyond. The Bible says honor all men, isn't it? That's including yourself. Honor yourself. Honor your dignity. Praise the Lord. All kinds of things that they're bringing and make it as if, you know, shift the goal. The goal for God is to look at you like we said on Sunday and say, I see my son in him. I see my son in her. I see the glory of the Lord. I see righteousness. I see peace. I see joy. That's the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. But when you keep coming and you keep hearing that is when you have an SUV or you have a big house or you win the contract, that's when God is with you. People get confused. That's why it's annoying. That's not the gospel. Praise the Lord, somebody. So this uh, tournament organized by God, he said, wisdom is not what I'm looking for. Might is not what I'm looking for. Riches is not what I'm looking for. The winner of this tournament is going to be the one who does what? Who understands and knows me. Can we see the amplified version, please? It says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise and skillful person glory and boast in his wisdom and skill. Let not the mighty and the powerful person glory and boast in his strength and power. Let not the person who is rich in physical gratification and earthly wealth glory and boast in these temporal satisfactions and earthly riches, okay? But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me personally and practically. Directly discerning and recognizing what? My character. That I am the Lord who practices loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the air. For in these things, what? I delight. So when you say to God, God showed to me that you love me by doing the other things. God is saying, no, what I want to show my love to you is when you know me more. When we go for a walk together. The psalmist said, I shall be satisfied when I wake up in your likeness. That's it. Praise the Lord, somebody. Now, does it mean that God doesn't want us to be wise? No. Does it mean that God doesn't want us to be rich? No. All of that is part of it. But the goal, just like in a football match. You know, I remember one of our best players, Okocha, those days. He would dribble and entertain both sides. But the other side wouldn't entertain us. They go and score. So our player entertains everybody. Their own players. Score go. They go with the cup. We go with entertainment. <laughs> That's the thing. It's dribbling not part of it. It's part of the football. But what do we want? At the end of the day, they don't count ball possession. They count goals. It's the same thing with Christianity. So wisdom is part of it. Reach out. Why not? I mean, might. Why not? I mean, we want all of that. But the goal that will count at the end of the day, this is it. God will help us in the name of Jesus. But I want to ask you a question quickly. You know, still on this. Job. How many of us know Job? Job in Job chapter 1, one from verse 1. Allow me to use the word. We see God putting Job in trouble. You know, he said to Satan, what's up? And Satan said, ah, I've been just uh, roaming around looking for stupid people. You know? And God said to Satan, I read from 7. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Is that not roaming around? Loitering. 
Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil? This is what I'm talking about. That's how Job has entered now. And Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? He said, have you not made a hedge round him and around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord gave Satan permission. Okay? But before now, this is what the Bible said about Job, verse 1 of Job chapter 1. He said, there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. This sounds like 100%. Praise the Lord. And if you've read the book of Job, please, if you have time, read it. You know, most mature Christians, most Christians who have suffered have read it. If you haven't read it, then you have not. uh, Well, I have read it. I've made Job my friend. (laughs) When you read it, you you get to places where Job said things that you know we are beginners. Job said that nobody slept outside. If there was a widow, he took care of her. If people were hungry, he fed them. You know, that's how generous, that's how committed he was. Job said that he had made a covenant with his eyes not to behold a young lady. You know, someone was writing that we have a, another Nigerian that has won seven, um, broken seven Guinness um, world records. But that the reason this particular one is trending is not that she broke record. It's that what people are seeing around her body. So when people behold her, it's not the record that behold it. Job said that he has made a covenant with his eyes not to look at a young lady. So if he sees anything, he'll say he'll do like that. That's what Job did. That's how holy Job was. Okay? Now, in spite of all this, when God said to Satan, have you considered my servant, Job? Satan said, ah, but you know now, you know, you have built an hedge round about him. Okay? And God said, okay, no problem. Test him. And the test started. So Job became, lost his um, children, lost all his money. He got to the point where he lost all his wealth, lost his health, and, you know, almost, we can say legally, lost his wife. Because the wife said to Job, you're better dead than alive. You heard the story about a woman that attended a meeting and they're called widows. And she joined. <laughs> and the woman joined the, and somebody said, your husband, he says, is that what? Is that one? Is the dead not better than that one? <laughs> is the dead not better than that one? Okay. So Job lost everything and started suffering. And started suffering. And started suffering. Affliction, 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 affliction. Now, you and I know that God restored Job's, right? God healed him, restored everything. I want to ask you a question. Did God apologize to Job? Was Job wrong? Did Job deserve what happened to him? So who are you? Shut up. God didn't apologize to Job. Job didn't deserve. For us, if you look at us, well, we deserve terrible things. Are you happy you came to church today? <laughs> on the mountain, in the valley, on the land. Listen, God did not apologize to Job. And Job was perfect. I haven't gotten that testimony. So what will it be that will happen? And then I'll say, God, what do you mean? I'm, I'm tired. I'm angry. Now, but there's something. The main thing we're learning, not, you know, the main thing God is speaking to us to now. 
Come with me to Job 42, the end of the matter. Very important. But that one was for somebody who the spirit of depression was coming upon. I don't know why, I don't know why, I don't know why. Go and read the book of Job. Ask yourself, am I better than Job? If they were to choose who trouble should come to, Job and I together, who will you, even if you're a corrupt judge, who will you pass the judgment? Even if they give you bribe. (laughs) Christianity is sweet too. You know why? This book, the truth, you open it, the whole truth is before you. Okay, but that's not what we're looking at. Job 42, are we there? Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this who hides cancer without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please. This is God speaking. Let me speak. You said I will question you and you shall answer me. Now, verse 5. This is what Job said. Let's read it together, everyone. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. The question is this. What is Job repenting of? What is Job repenting of? Hello? What is Job repenting of? Instead of God apologizing to Job. Job, what we know that God had a bet with Satan, Job doesn't know it. And they didn't tell him. You know, if I were to direct that event, at the end, God will call Job. You know, just say, Job, relax. I actually boasted about you, you know, and you, you did well. You did well. Come on. You know, thumbs up. Do you understand? But that didn't happen. Job was there. He didn't know. Job was repenting. Even after all of that. After being right. And going through what he went through. What was it? It's there. God's goal in your life, sir. In your life, man. In our lives. Is that you may know him more. In that process, Job said. Before now, all that testimony you heard about Job was rumor. His knowledge of God was rumor level. But now, Job said, ah, now I see you. God said, now we are talking. He had ascended in the knowledge of God. So the only reason God permitted all that Job went through was that he'll come out on the other side and know him more. And it sounds too listed, but that's the only thing he's looking for. So on God's side, it was success. On Satan's side, it was failure. On Job's side, you can hear him. It was victory. He says, now I know that no purpose of yours. Job did not come at that point and start going, but why? But why? No. He said, now I know. Now, what am I trying to say to you here tonight? What I'm trying to say to you is that as a Christian, when you know that God's ultimate purpose in every situation is that you know him more, when trials come, let them become stepping stones to know him more. Once you do that, you can't go wrong. Once you do that, you disarm the wicked one. His purpose in the trial of Job was that Job's eyes will be blinded to the knowledge of God. He said, if you take his wealth, if you take his children, take whatever, Job will curse you to your face. Who curses God to his face? Even Satan doesn't curse God to his face. So when he did it, Job did not fail in that area. Instead, at the end, Job saw God more glorified. Job's worship went to another level. What is in translation, sir? In my weakness, in my affliction, in my time of waiting for God to do something for me, I don't diminish God in my eyes. I sanctify him. I hallow him. I bless him. And that I can never emphasize is the story of Joseph. 
Joseph was a better boy in Potiphar's house than in his own father's house. In his father's house, he was not the best servant or the best, most hard-working son. He didn't even go with the brothers to take care of the sheep. He was eating granite with the father. But in Potiphar's house, Joseph said no. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So you read the word of God. God looked at Job and said, Satan, you try him. But what will come out of it is that this, my son, will grow in the knowledge of me. He grew so much that from just being a wealthy man, he became a priest. So God said to his friends, go and make an offering. So before, Job was just a rich man, a righteous man. But at the end of the story, Job was not just a rich and righteous man. He became a representative of God. When his friends came before him, they said, God, we are sorry. And just said, by the powers conferred on me by the almighty God, you are forgiven. And he ate their sacrifice, you are forgiven. That's levels. And what was the issue? The losses that Job suffered. The Bible says God restored to him twice as much. The children, you know he got twice as much as well. Because when people die in the Lord, we've learned here, they don't die, they just travel. They travel from earth to heaven. So that's why God didn't give Job 20 children. He gave him 10. Because 10 that are here plus the 10 that had gone ahead, that's 20. And God was merciful also. He didn't give him another wife. He wanted that wife who said, curse God and die, to now know that uh, God is merciful. So every day, that wife will look and say, Hi, God forgive Job, younger girl. God forgive Job, friend. And say, God, I love you. <laughs> God, I love you. It was a good case for divorce. This woman that said I should curse God and die, Lord, I won't marry her again. God said, no, go back, go back. So she herself entered into a revelation of the love of God. So all that experience was that men might know God. He said, I've heard of you. You can check some, a few of the other translations of that verse. Some says, I've heard rumors of you. But now my eyes see you. Please, let, let's look at verse 5. Just let's take a study of it. A few other translations. Give us ERV. Yes. It says, in the past I've heard about you, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. Okay? Let's try another one. He said, I heard about you before, but now I have seen you. You see, brethren, God wants to be seen. Do you understand? And when you know, when you learn this is what God wants from me, why should I be headstrong? So every day, no matter in prosperity, in, you know, in abundance, in promotion, you say to the Lord, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to enjoy this? How are we going to spend this money? How are we going to reign? How are we going to, you know, carry out this assignment, this promotion? Why? Because that's all what he wants. Once you get there, the struggle will cease. The reason for the struggle is that you're not seeing him. The Paul that our sister mentioned, or our brother mentioned, the moment Paul saw, ah, this thorn in the flesh is not for remover. It's for something else. Did, did you hear Paul complain about it again? He took grace. That road is bad, road is bad. Is that your car is not SUV. There's a type of car you have, you'll be looking for bad road. <laughs> oh, you people don't understand. When I went to Lagos, you know, that was 1990. When I went to Lagos, I finished university and went to Lagos. I went to Lagos with my Volkswagen Beatles. I know Beatles. Laugh at Beatles all you like. But Beatles swim. So those days, when there's a flood on that um, the Mount 2 Oshodi Express, when there's flood, cars will just pull out. It's I and Mo Lue that drive on the road. I will just be going beside Mo Lue. 
The water, I will take everything I have in the cow, take it to the sea because my feet will be in water. The beetles will be moving. So I used to like it to flood. Forgive me, Lord. I used to like flood because when there is flood, I post with my beetles. (laughs) I am always, we will own the road. So the problem is not flood, is that your car... Water enters. You know the way beetles is constructed. The engine is behind. So the water is not entering the engine. Do you understand? So it's not the problem that you have. It's the facility. It's the equipment that you're carrying. Let's rise on our feet. So Lord, lift me up. That's where we want to go. We, We want to go higher. A higher plane is where you should be. So that, you see, there are some things people, hallelujah. Is this revelation that David had? Okay, and uh, it was uh, Shimei that was cursing him. Shimei was cursing David, and David said to his uh, soldiers, "Don't kill him, oh. don't kill him. Let him work for our good." It's revelation. It's revelation that will make somebody say, "Look at you, poor woman. This and this." You say, "Hallelujah," because you know you use it. If you don't have the revelation, someone is touching. You go to God, say, "See, everybody is insulting." The devil says, see him. Oh, Lord, she has not learned. Repeat class. Let's sing it like a prayer. We want to go higher. Lift me up and let me stand by faith on Okay, can you make that your prayer? Lord, take me higher. The apostle Paul says, I press toward the goal. Lord, tonight, I thank you for making the vision clear. The Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. It's nothing else. It's lack of the knowledge of God, knowledge of the purposes of God, the plan of God, the plot of God. Oh, you just wanted me to know you. That is what this thing is about. Lord, I press on. Make it your prayer. Lord, in this situation, in this thing that I've been calling you about, Lord, I open up my heart. Let the knowledge of yourself flood my heart. Let it flood my soul. Let me be surrounded with light. 
Lord, give me insight. Give me revelation. Remember at the beginning of the year, God said to us, we should not count time. We shouldn't count days. We should count revelation. Lord, tonight, take me higher. Let there be something about you that I know. Like Job. Job said, I've heard of you. But now my eyes see you. Concerning my health. Concerning my finances. Concerning Nigeria. Concerning every area of my life. Open my eyes. I open my heart. I open my heart. I open my heart. I unveil my face. To see you. To see you high and lifted. To see you exalted. To see you magnified. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.